Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. World wine production is expected to fall to its lowest level in 60 years uh, in 2023 uh, due to poor harvests in the Southern Hemisphere and in some major European countries. In the Southern Hemisphere, Australia, Argentina, Chile, South Africa, and Brazil recorded year-over-year reduction in wine production between 10 and 30%. In the Northern Hemisphere, uh, Italy, Spain, and Greece are the countries that suffered the most from bad uh, climactic conditions during the growing season. Italian wine production is expected to drop by 12%. The tumble means Italy will lose its position as the world's largest wine producer, with France set to reclaim the number one spot for the first time in nine years. Now, drought hit Spain, kept its position as the third largest wine producer, despite its production set to fall to the lowest in the last 20 years, down 14% uh, from this year to last year, and down 19% over the past five years. U.S. wine output, the world's fourth largest, is expected to increase actually by 12% from 2022. Thankfully, cool temperatures and heavy winter rains in the Napa and Sonoma regions brought much-needed moisture to the vines after several years of drought. We'll have more on BC's wine production after uh, the 5 o'clock news. What, at this point, uh, is the challenge here, though? When you look at challenges uh, in the Southern Hemisphere uh, and in Europe as well, Uh, What all this means is, of course, climate change and the impact it's having on the wine industry. But does it stop there? What about other crops and even our ability to grow more food for a growing world population? Joining me now is a man who has followed this issue very closely. Uh, Peter Dillon is the CEO of the Richbury Group of Companies. It's an agribusiness enterprise which uh, operates here in B.C., and in Quebec, the Richberry Group consists of cranberry companies, which uh, combined are one of Ocean Spray Cranberry's largest shareholders and suppliers. Uh, Mr. Dillon is currently chairman of the board of directors at Ocean Spray. In 2019, Peter Dillon headed up the province's Food Security Task Force, which provides advice on how we can help grow more food and more jobs in BC's agriculture sector. Peter, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Jess. Good to be with you. Uh, your thoughts on world wine output falling to the lowest in 60 years. Uh, what did you think when you heard that news? Yeah, Jess, uh, I read that uh, just a couple of days ago. I'm not surprised because what we're seeing with climate change is how it's affecting crops like grapes and other crops as well. The production uh, globally is dropping, and uh, it didn't come as a surprise to me. Um, when you say you're not surprised, so you, you're, you're saying that this, this will be impacting other crops, or potentially other crops, in, in the years ahead as well? Yeah, Jess. Just a few years ago, uh, you know, a lot of the food companies started seeing the decline of food production, not just in North America, but uh, globally. In fact, if you look at Europe, uh, a lot of crops this year didn't get harvested because of the heat that was going on there, and uh, the the fruit or the vegetables just ended up, you know, being cooked on the plant. You've you've seen now in in India as well, the ban of any export of rice. Uh, India is one of the largest, if not the largest, exporter of rice, and they're going through tremendous droughts as well. And now India has said we're closing our borders for this type of food export and and others as well because we need to feed our own country. 
no, so I think really today mm -hmm. the, the, the conversation around the resilience of your food security is really in question. Uh, in the past, uh, we've always had some sort of conversation like this, but it, it's always been, the issue has been dealt with, with a growing population, how are we going to feed the uh, feed folks? And our population is around 8 billion people, and it's expected to peak around 10 or 11 billion by the end of the century. Uh, and many have said it'll, it'll be dropping after that. But anytime we've had an increase in population, the food industry has been able to address it through um, science and agricultural product, uh, practices, which have actually meant greater food production. What you're telling me for the first time we not, may not be able to address the issue of a growing population with greater production. And it really concerns me, Jas. If we continue to do things the way we're doing it, we are going to end up in a global food crisis. So you mentioned science, innovation, technology. These are the solutions and the answers that are available to us, and we need to act today. We need to act now. There should be a call for action. Uh, because we don't want to rep replicate what happened to the housing crisis in Canada. Let's not solve it in the moment. Let's solve it now, because if you look at the evidence, the evidence is leading us there. So uh, you were saying food companies are sort of seeing this. Are they getting together, talking amongst themselves? Do they have potential solutions in regards to how we deal with this in the years ahead? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, um, I was at a food conference made up of big food companies a few years ago, and that was where everyone started acknowledging that the production uh, of, of food in, in the conventional way was on a decline because of climate change. It wasn't because of uh, uh, the war in Ukraine, or what, it wasn't because of supply chain. It was really now the number one Thing that's affecting food production is climate change and the recognition of that uh, made some of these competitors come together and say listen we need to solve this we need to solve this together and so let's let's start investing together around technology first time I've ever seen in a room competitors saying you know this is not your problem this is not my problem this is our problem and now let's put our minds together and start thinking about how we're going to get out of this at Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. We're speaking to Peter Dillman, Dillon, who's a chairman of Ocean Spray. We're talking about the fact that the world wine production is expected to fall to its lowest level in 60 years uh, this year due to poor harvest in the Southern Hemisphere and in some major European countries. In the Southern Hemisphere, uh, wine production, depending on the country, from Australia, Argentina, Chile, South Africa, wine production is down anywhere from 10 to 30%. In Italy, wine production is down 12% to the point where Italy will lose its position as the world's largest wine producer. Uh, France will reclaim the number one spot for the first time uh, in nine years. Uh, Spain has also been hit. They've actually had a 19% drop on average over the last five years in their country as well. Um, and of course, all of that comes down to the impact of climate change, that which is have, it's having on the wine industry. But uh, Mr. Dillon and I have been also been talking about um, the impact of climate change and on the global food production as well. Now, Peter, this impacting grapes now, we've been talking a 
a little bit about that. It's going to impact other types of food as well. So my question to you is, what is the answer? When you say technology, is it the case of perhaps investing more in vertical farming? What kinds of things would you like to see here in BC to address these challenges? So just, you know, talking about other crops, we saw what happened to lettuce. Uh, California is running out of water. It's going to lose about a million acres of uh, farm production by the end of this decade because uh, the state is running out of water. And You know, we talked about India, but we're talking about one of the sources of our food production supply in Canada is California. That's a problem. So what do I see? What do I see? Where I see the opportunities in indoor agriculture. We really need to start thinking about growing things differently, growing it in the communities where people are having the processing facilities there and, uh, and starting to look at and creating a resilient food system. Will the politics of BC allow that? And what I mean by that is, we, we had uh, Bridget Anderson uh, with the Metro Vancouver Board of Trade saying that we have a shortage of, of industrial land. It's a crisis. In fact, we've lost, I think, is 6,500 jobs already directly to Calgary and Alberta because we don't have en- en- enough industrial land or it's not being made available fast enough. Very, few, very little of our land is industrial land already, and it's tough with our limited land in this area. But when you look at, let's say, growing indoors, is our pol- or like our politics there where we can have that conversation potentially of putting processing plants, cleaning plants on ALR land, in and around ALR land, because one would assume that's where we need to head? Well, I think you have to ask yourself, what's the problem you're solving for? And if the problem we're solving for is food security, having a resilient food system, you know, uh, food security, in my mind, starts at the farm and it ends at the shelf where almost 100% of the consumers buy their food. And between the farm and the shelf, we need to make sure everything is running the way it needs to run so we can always have a reliable source of food that hits the shelves at affordable prices. Not to see the inflation that we are seeing today where families are having a hard time even you know, going to the grocery store and purchasing food. We need, we need to fix the system from the farm to the shelf. Uh, I, I've already, I remember I interviewed the former Premier of Alberta, uh, Jason Kenney, and uh, we were talking about a variety of issues around politics, but I actually happened to bring up the issue of indoor farming, and he got very excited because he wanted to talk about it. Uh, they seem to be moving further ahead, or at least quickly uh, in regards to this. Uh, where are we in your mind? Are we moving just as fast, or, or are we behind? And when I look at countries like the, ne- the areas like Netherlands, they're world's food superpowers. Like, wh- where do we go from here? Like, are we even competitive in the Canadian market in regards to indoor growing and that type of thing? Yeah, but just you know, the, the whole premise of indoor growing is to grow a lot more on a lot less, where you're using 0.01% of the water that you would use in the conventional sense. So how are we doing in BC? We should and we could uh, and we must move faster than we are today. Um, when you look at uh, wine, this is just one issue, and, I, and, and it was saying that um, it, you know a, lot, a huge impact on the southern hemisphere here, Australia, Argentina, Chile, South Africa, uh, even places like Brazil have been impacted. I think in Greece there was a 45% reduction uh, in the amount of grapes uh, that are generally produced from uh, 2023 to 2022. Um, the core of sort of food stock that we need um, like, is this a question of 
a one-off at this particular point, or do you think this is going to be the new normal moving forward? Because some would argue, look, it's a bad year. Crops have bad years. It's nothing nor, nothing out of the blue. You're saying that this is going to be consistently a thing that we're going to have to deal with on a year-on-year basis. Exactly. I mean, we're look, who would have thought that Maui would burn the way it did? We're, we're seeing the earth on fire right now. And what are the implications? The implications are huge, certainly around food supply. You know, the, we're, we're seeing production dropping because the farmers and the farms are not used to the changes that we're seeing today. And, you know, you could say this is a, you know, a one-off, but it's really not, Jas. We're seeing production dropping. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, where are those opportunities? And we do. Like, and there's no doubt we need to continue to keep the conventional system going. But, you know, as we see populations increasing, the way they're increasing and the speed they're increasing, we need to have a bolt on. We need to think about having an alternative food system uh, with the conventional system if we're going to feed people in the world. Peter, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Josh.